Hey, welcome to the Scrum GBH's Politics Podcast. I'm Adam Riley. In this episode, you're going to hear me and Peter Kadzis talk with Yabu Miller, the senior editor of the Bay State Banner, about his thoughts on Kim Janey becoming acting mayor of Boston. First, though, we start with some counsel for Janey from former Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor Jane Swift. She served as governor when Paul Cellucci left to become ambassador to Canada back in 2001. And she might have been elected in 2002 if Mitt Romney had turned his focus to Utah a little bit earlier in his career. It is clear that the media will focus on the historic nature of her becoming mayor of Boston, what will give her the opportunity, if she wants it, to serve a full term will be to define herself as the mayor who makes a difference for all of the citizens of Boston. And so as tempting as it is to bask in the historic nature of the appointment and ascension, If I were advising Mayor Janey, I would suggest, as was suggested to me, that she govern with nuance, pay attention to the issues she cares deeply about, but really grasp the opportunity to sharply define herself in person versus remote learning. How is she going to make up for learning loss? What is she going to do about a police chief and an approach to policing? Whatever the issues are, and she should only probably have two or three, be razor sharp and clear and define herself that way because it's going to be hard to break through the press's attention to her biographical, uh, wonderful historical nature of her becoming the mayor of Boston. My team was very clear that we did not want to focus on the fact that I was going to make history having twins or any children really as governor while in office and that however possible, including telling Oprah we did not want to do an interview not allowing pictures of me or public appearances of me with my children uh, once the twins were born. Uh, We were very focused on attempting to uh, see about issues that could define me for what I would do for the citizens of Boston. Luckily for the counselor, she is not seven months pregnant with twins, so I hope she will find that road easier. And also, uh, there have been 20 years, almost exactly, since that moment. And so hopefully, the press will take one awesome victory lap about the historic nature of her becoming mayor, and then focus on her message around governing. Now on to our conversation with Yahoo Miller, the senior editor of the Bay State Banner. We started off getting his perspective on what it's like to watch another black Bostonian run the city for the first time ever. It was amazing to see that, um, to, you know, to, in my lifetime, you know, when I was born, the black population was about 20% and the minority population in Boston, so to speak, was not much higher than that. And, uh, 
as a child, I never imagined that I'd see a black mayor in Boston. Um, I remember that, you know, when Harold Washington was elected in Chicago, that, you know, Detroit had a black mayor, Atlanta had a black mayor, and Boston always seemed like it would be stubborn, stubbornly resistant to, um, to that sort of change. You know, even in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, there was a lot of debate about whether a person of color could be elected citywide. I remember when Felix uh, D'Arroyo was running for at-large city council in the early 90s. A lot of people argued that it was impossible for a person of color to to win at large, and that was just in the in the first decade of this century. It was really amazing to see her being sworn in to see to witness this moment in history. It's, uh, it's again, something I never thought would be possible in my lifetime. What's your take on her as a political figure before she became acting mayor? What do you know of her that maybe some of our listeners won't know because you've covered her over the years? I'm interested in, you know, her style, if there's anything that she's especially good at, uh, any areas in which in the past she may have struggled to respond as a politician to things that have come up in her district. Because uh, I think a lot of us, I talked to her for a profile a few weeks back, and it was the first time I'd talked to her at any length. My sense is that up until this week, and it's changing with a vengeance, but that she's been a largely unknown quantity for a lot of people who pay attention even to Boston politics. When, you know, so for for quite a while, she was uh, worked with Mass Advocates for Children, and so she would show up and testify at um, city council meetings and at school committee meetings. And she was there always um, very thoughtful. Uh, she had a, a thorough understanding of policy and was not shy about sharing her opinions and insights. So I think she had respect as as somebody who you know people listened to and people respected her opinions. In the city council, in her first term, I think she was somewhat low-key. It didn't make a lot of waves. She, as city council president, you begin to see a different side of her. Um, She did a very good job of kind of keeping the council meetings together. You could see that she exercised her power judiciously um, you know, sort of dealing with uh, sometimes unruly meetings. She would not take any BS from fellow counselors, would kind of keep them in line. Uh, so you sort of saw her growing with that role, with the added responsibility of being the city council president. Um, in some ways, she's following a, a similar path as Ayanna Presley, who as a city councilor, you know, did not make a lot of waves, um, you know, initially, um, you know, was fairly quiet until she jumped on the trail to, to uh, uh, the election, the campaign trail running for uh, Congress. Uh, all of a sudden, we saw a different side to her. She was a great orator. She projected uh, uh, charisma in a way that she, you know, hadn't quite done so before. So I think Janie, too, is also growing into a role Um It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds as she takes on the responsibilities as mayor. Yeah, um, I, I obviously come at the uh, ceremonial swearing in 
uh, from a different perspective. What struck me was the exhibition of uh, black political muscle. Also, as a kid growing up, you know, it, it was very striking to see Judge Budd from the SJC, Ayanna Presley. You know, that was a powerful combination. And I, I would say that there's a, a historical snapshot there. I disagree with um, Yao just a bit about Presley on the council. Um, she certainly, as a congressional candidate, exceeded expectations and showed sides of herself that I would argue were on display when she was a counselor, but people just pay scaled down attention to the Boston City Council. But I take Yao's general point there. Um, and I think his point about Janie sort of fitting into that motif works. Um, I didn't pay much attention to her um, except how she voted on her first term. But I really noticed when she became council president, especially since COVID, when everything was, you know, televised and it was easy to watch every day, um, she was a real presence as council president. And I mean a presence in a positive sense. She brought a degree of order, a definite air of decorum to... Um, you know, a, a sometimes rock'em sock'em body. I think that was particularly on display during the um, the heated debate over uh, former Mayor Walsh's budget, where there were very strong feelings on both sides. As we know, the mayor's budget prevailed. But um, I was personally very impressed with how she handled herself. I mean, we had all been talking about the possibility of Marty Walsh going to Washington, um, and that later picked up steam. Um, Adam will second my claim to long before most people was talking about Janie saying, hey, look, I don't know how it's going to work, but keep an eye on Kim Janie, because as council president, she's going to step up as Menino did. I wonder, and, and this isn't a questioning wonder, this is an honest to goodness, I wonder, I wonder if the way in which she presided over the council um, suggests an executive frame of mind, you know, uh, the ability to, to see a sense of order off in the distance and orchestrate debates or events towards a given end. Now we've got several months to see, you know, we've got several months to see how this goes. Let me ask you both. It seemed like the big question for maybe the past few weeks until this week was, oh, is Kim Janey going to run for the mayor's job permanently? For me, after watching the past few days, my question has become, do any of the people who have actually said they're running for mayor stand a ghost of a chance against Kim Janey, given the amount of attention that she is getting after becoming the first black person and first woman to run the city, given the savvy way with which she is 
stepping into that role. I wrote a piece for GBH News this week talking about how just like Tom Menino in 1993, uh, she is sort of aligning the fact that she's acting mayor and just referring to herself as the mayor. She's branding herself as the tenant in full of that office. I wonder when you have made history like she has this week and you are going to be getting all this earned media, as they say, free media attention. Um, it's probably going to go on for a little while. Nationally, it's in full swing. I'm guessing locally, she's going to continue getting favorable coverage for some time. If you are Michelle Wu or Andrea Campbell or anyone else in this race, how in God's name do you fight back against that? Janie becoming acting mayor is historic, but her ascension is somewhat passive. It's not like Deval Patrick coming out of nowhere and, or, or, you know, in mass political terms, coming out of nowhere and being elected governor. Um, but it's a fact on the ground that cannot be denied. Janie has never run citywide. Wu has. That is a tremendous advantage. I mean, Wu and Asabi George have uh, proven track records as vote-getters. Um, listen, I am not denying the tremendous advantage this gives to Kim Janey, but this is a local election. And let's not forget what happened in the uh, Suffolk 19th, you know, where there was, uh, uh, you know, where social media was all abuzz and a former Trump Democrat won. Now, the Boston dynamic is much more complicated. Um, I think her national, uh, uh, her national media exposure, uh, it, during which she's performing terrifically, I might add, will be a real boost for fundraising. But I would just caution, this isn't anti-Janie, um, I would just caution applying national media standards to an essentially local race. I think there are real implications for Andrea Campbell um, because we now have two candidates who are touting their um, shared, touting their life experiences growing up black in Boston. And that's powerful under any circumstances. Uh, stepping outside the political thing, what we have is a race with people who had stones thrown at them, literally or figuratively, during busing. And in previous generations, the talk was largely, well, school desegregation in Boston was an awful experience, but we've put that behind us. Let's move forward. For some of these candidates, the city has moved forward, but they can't deny the fact that uh, they went through what was, you know, you know, unarguably a very traumatic experience. But anyway, to get back to my point, J.D. and Campbell are driving in the same lane, although it's interesting to note that Campbell is, I believe, the top fundraiser at the moment. Yeah, What's your take? I think if, if you're one of the other candidates, what do you do here? I think for the uh, next couple of weeks, there's not much you can do 
Um, right. You know, the, the, I think Janie's got the spotlight and it's brighter now and it might be in coming months, but she's going to continue to have the spotlight. She's going to continue to have a built-in advantage of free media. She's the face of Boston as uh, we uh, go through a very difficult time with the pandemic. You know, obviously it can cut two ways. If things go terribly, any decisions she makes, you know, have bad consequences, then that could work against her. But um, I think generally in a time like this, her approval ratings will be quite high. I do think the power of incumbency will work in her favor, particularly with black voters. And, you know, if she can get 40 or 50,000 uh, black votes, um, that will do her really well uh, in the preliminary and general elections. I do think she's got an excellent shot of making it past the preliminary. Black voters as well do tend to favor incumbency. Ask Tito Jackson. He didn't do as well in the black community against Walsh in 2017 as you would have expected him to. So uh, I think that that Janie has um, an advantage there. I do think that her progressive credentials are pretty airtight relative to some of the other candidates being in favor of changing exam school admissions. If she you know, maintains that position would put her at a disadvantage in West Roxbury and perhaps in South Boston and some other communities. But I do think, though, that the path to victory in City Hall is to have a large base, which for Janie could easily be African-American voters, and also to be able to appeal to white liberals, white progressives. And I think that she can do that as well. It's what Marty Walsh did. Walsh had like his, his base in South Boston and Dorchester. He was able to get black voters and progressive white voters as well. That was his path to victory. So I think, you know, Janie ha certainly has a lane. She has company in her lane, but I don't think it'd be too difficult for her to force, you know, the others out of that lane and sort of dominate it. I know we're coming up on the end of our time. Is there any point when it comes to Janie and her acting mayoralty that could become a permanent mayoralty that you two haven't been able to make yet? No, Adam. Um, th this is really a wait and see. You've got someone who a year ago was politically unknown citywide, someone who, when Councilors Wu and uh, Campbell announced early, which is now very understandable, um, had become only a twinkle in the political firmament. Now she's front and center. Let's see how it goes. Again, I think, as I've said several times on this, the news may be or the, that there is not a white male candidate running. And that means there's going to be, if I'm correct, you know, other than the gentleman from Dorchester who has, you know, about $100 in the bank or in this campaign. If that's the case, Boston is going to be engaged in a brand new political metric, and it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Peter Katz, Yahoo Miller, thanks for talking this through. Thanks, Adam. Good to be here. Take care. Until next time. And that is going to do it for another installment of The Scrum. Thanks to Jane Swift and Yabu Miller for joining us and to you for listening. Subscribe if you haven't, rate us if you haven't, and please talk back to us. You can email us at scrum at wgbh.org or find us on Twitter. 
I'm at Riley Adam. Peter is at Kadzis. And our producer, Zoe Matthews, is at Zoe S. Matthews with one T. The Scrum is a production of GBH News. We'll talk to you again soon.